Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the Lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Retzloff, and joining me today is Julia Wentzel. She is the program coordinator for Master Gardeners and Small Farms Program for OSU Extension for both Tillamook and Clatsop County. Did I get that right? That's perfect. Great. Welcome, <laughs> Julia. It's so nice to be chatting with you, um, and and kind of welcome to the area. You're you're new to this role, right? I mean, it's this is a is a new thing for like that the joint county master gardener programs, but also you're kind of new to this role. Um, tell us about how you ended up here. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great to be here chatting with you. Um, I am quite new to the role and the role itself is new as well. I started in my position on December 1st of last year. Mm -hmm. So just a few months in so far. Uh, we have had uh, a really robust master gardener presence for quite a long time in the area, but having a small farms representative with OSU Extension is a bit newer. So uh, really a fun part of the position right now is just getting to define that side of my role and sort of learning a bit more about what the needs are of the small farmers out here. The timing is perfect because I feel like small farming is exploding Absolutely. in this area. So many um, new small farms starting up, people experimenting. I think that last the pandemic year kind of kicked a lot of people into, hey, let's try it. And um, so it's great to have that support. Um, out here as well. And I know that, that both Tillamook and Clatsop counties have had um, very robust master gardener programs for a long time. So it's always excellent to have support for that. Did you, are you from this area? Are you from Oregon or the region or did you move to the Northwest from somewhere else? I grew up in the Northwest. I grew up in the Seattle area, uh, but I've moved quite a lot of times since then. So I've just come back to the Northwest a couple years ago. I spent the last two years working with Food Roots out of Tillamook, which is a nonprofit supporting the local food system. And through that role, I really got to connect quite a bit with the small farms in Tillamook County. Mm -hmm. So a really fun part of the job now has been to try to play a little bit of catch up in the Clatsop County side of things and get to know small farmers like yourself. Do you find the two counties very different in their communities? In the, I mean, I, I feel like we are, in some ways it's very similar, but then also very different, um, especially in our agricultural communities. What are you noticing? Like how different it is? It's an interesting question and I absolutely agree. There's some pieces that feel exactly the same. You know, we have this really sort of cohesive identity of the North Coast, but on the other hand, there are these really distinct differences. I think something that sort of unites the region is the, the agricultural heritage of this space, but obviously there's a lot of transition happening around that right now and sort of the larger dairies that have dominated the agricultural landscape for so long. There's quite a bit of transition happening there. And I think both counties are experiencing that somewhat differently. So um, it seems like a lot more really small sort of homestead scale farms in Clatsop County and folks trying to raise some of their own uh, food on their own versus Tillamook where I see some, a little bit more establishment of slightly larger farms. Um, but again, a lot of shared, shared challenges just with the geographic isolation that we encounter here, sort of challenging access to markets obviously our growing climate unites us and is very challenging as well. Um, so there's a lot of pieces that I think um, help sort of build a community and give us a lot to, to unite around. It's wonderful that you have Pacific Northwest um, history because I, I feel like the climate here challenges people so much. And I think as a farmer, I know when I started here, um, I, I remember one of the first things that someone commented to me back when we had first moved to the North Coast was, well, you can't farm here. You know, nobody farms in this area. And being sort of surprised, I thought, well, I'm pretty sure we can grow a lot of things here, <laughs> but okay. But there weren't really a lot of farms back in 2003, right. 2004, when we first moved to the North Coast. Um, 
Do you see, there's more challenges though than just climate. You talked a bit about access to market and um, the challenges of our geography. I know that both Food Roots and North Coast Food Web have been doing some work with trying to help farmers access markets more and maybe build some more financial stability there. Can you talk a little bit about some of those programs and, um, and maybe how you see like your role can support that? Absolutely. Yeah, um, my role at Food Roots was the, I worked as the local food programs manager. Um, most of that was sort of building out a, a local food marketplace, which transitioned online last year. Uh, to accommodate, you know, different access mm -hmm. for customers. Um, that now is supporting about 50 local producers um, across Tillamook County and Clatsop County and beyond. Um, the North Coast Food Web is doing something very similar. And so kind of creating that marketplace for farmers who still need to really depend on having that direct-to-consumer sales and having that um, reliable revenue source, I think has been huge in sort of ushering small farms into actually considering themselves a business as opposed to more of the homestead or kind of home garden um, operation. I think that the project now is to both continue to support those marketplaces, but also to find other ways to support growers at different levels, whether that's helping them enter into selling wholesale to restaurants and other institutions in the area or finding other markets as well. Um, I, you know, I kind of go back and forth on whether this, this new small farms position should be um, really continuing to pursue creating that market access or um, if this gives us sort of an exciting opportunity to step back and see where else we can plug in to support small farms because there's so much energy now with these, you know, really powerful nonprofits with a lot of farmers in the area who are so invested in uh, coming up with solutions to our, our sort of challenging, isolating geography um, that I think maybe there are some opportunities to turn this position into a way to support farmers in other ways. But again, I do think that a big part of the, the early days of this position is um, mostly about listening and really mostly just about hearing what the, the challenges farmers are encountering really focus around and, and how to identify a new niche to, to offer support. Did you see much transition? One of the things that I, I'm, I'm kind of excited by all the new energy for people producing all different kinds of all sorts of food and flowers and whatever mm -hmm. farm products. Um, you talked a lot about that kind of homestead style garden where people are maybe raising some of their own food and they have excess. Maybe they have extra eggs or they have extra, you know, berries or apples or something and they're looking for a way to sell that. Mm -hmm. That seems like a starting point for some people that they can then transition to, oh, maybe I could make this a business. Maybe it's still just gonna be a part-time business or maybe it'll just be a business that supports one person in our family, mm -hmm. but making that transition can be challenging. Definitely. Is that, have you seen that happen much? And do you feel encouraged that, that there's possibilities there? I've seen it happen a lot and I, I definitely feel encouraged. I think, like you said, there are also a lot of challenges that happen right at that tipping point. Um, selling eggs in person versus selling eggs through a marketplace that Food Roots or North Coast Food Web runs requires a totally different sort of licensing setup and so that's just an example of how we can kind of help these smaller scale producers learn the rules figure it out do things right kind of get themselves set up to create that that legal foundation and sort of check all the boxes that they need to actually be able to perform on that next level and to be able to sort of start to con consider the work that they're doing as a business um, you know, it's a really frustrating challenge that a lot of people sort of encounter because suddenly, like you say, 
they have this extra, they'd love to be able to sell it to the community. And there are these sort of legal um, hoops they need to jump through and they can be really hard to understand. They can be really hard to, to actually get that work done and sort of figure out how to check those boxes. Um, so I, I think having a lot of support in place just to get through sort of that logistical sort of bureaucracy mess that many of us have to navigate as we sort of go through that transition. Um, yeah, I think there's a huge need there. Is that something that um, if people have questions about those kinds of things, is, is that something that you would envision people being able to reach out to your office about? Or would you encourage them to reach out to you know, like Food Roots or North Coast Food Web? Or, you know, if, if I were, you know, if I have like suddenly my chickens are going crazy and they're laying a whole bunch of eggs and I want to sell them, you know, what do I do? How do I know who to ask? You know, can I just take them into a restaurant and sell them to a restaurant? Can I put up a sign at the end of my road and say, you know, eggs here? You know, what are the different um, certifications or legal issues around those things? Right. I think, um, you know, Food Roots and North Coast Food Web are both great resources. And if um, selling with them is something that appeals to you, they could be a great first resource. But I also highly encourage people to reach out to me and to the rest of the extension office with exactly those kinds of questions. One, because if I don't know the answer, I will find it for you and I will help you navigate how to track down that information. And two, because again, that continues to inform me on what questions we're really hearing a lot of in the community. And that helps me kind of design programming around where those needs are. So if that could mean, you know, coming up with classes around sort of farm business accelerating. Um, so walking people through, how do I move from someone who's growing my own food to a farm business selling food elsewhere? I, I imagine that kind of value-add processing are probably questions that you're going to get a lot about, exactly. too, because I think a lot of people want to make jams or jellies mm -hmm. and sell them, but there's also legal requirements around that, depending on what ingredients are in it. Are there things that you've grown yourself? Are there ingredients that you're buying? It's a whole thing to navigate. Exactly. And it can be very daunting. Exactly. It, it's, it is very daunting. You know, most of these regulations aren't written in language that feels clear, so it feels really easy to misinterpret. Um, and so I think we want to just figure out ways to approach things with confidence, to be armed with knowledge. <laughs> and the best way to do that, again, is absolutely to reach out to me and uh, we'll figure it out together. So I'm curious, you clearly have a lot of enthusiasm for farms and growing things and, you know, kind of rural communities. What's your background? I mean, where like you grew up in the Seattle area, but how did you get involved in, in gardening or farming? Did you garden growing up or... What was that connection? Where did you where did you connect to this world? It was yeah. a little bit of a windy road. <laughs> I was uh, working as an outdoor educator for about a decade, and so I have a, a strong background in sort of experiential learning and hands-on learning experiences, um, which I think I do employ quite a bit in my work now, although somewhat indirectly. Um, but I always was uh, really interested in gardening and grew up gardening quite a bit. Um, I ended up joining the Peace Corps and was an agriculture volunteer there. Um, so that was... Um, a really immersive experience in, in, in small-scale subsistence farming, especially. Um, so I spent two years uh, in Paraguay, really seeing kind of a, a very different take on farming and, and, and subsisting again on, on the food that you're growing yourself. Um, and then because of that experience, that kind of motivated me into a master's program with UC Davis, where I got a master's degree in agriculture. Um, but through that, my, my focus in sort of experiential learning Kind of came back into play and I focused a lot on how to develop meaningful education experiences and sort of science communication around farming and food issues. Uh, so with that sort of focus, that kind of um, is what led me into my position with Food Roots and Tillamook. So I 
um, made it to Tillamook a couple years ago now. Um, and again, spent two years working at, at Food Roots before uh, transitioning into this role. That's a lot of fascinating background. <laughs> a little of this, a little but it of that. Is, I'm always curious how people find their way to the role that they're playing now, but also like the connections with, with plants and the natural world mm -hmm. is so powerful and often does come from childhood. Mm -hmm. And um, did you, when you're in your um, outdoor education, were you working a lot with young children? Somewhat. I actually, most of my work was with adults, which I found really exciting because I think um, adults aren't used to getting to learn as much. And so to create really positive experiences around learning something new and especially around um, experiencing a connection with the outdoors in a way that um, I think a lot of adults are cut off from these days uh, was really fun and really fulfilling to kind of develop um, lessons that, that learners of all kinds can really grab onto. I think that gave me a pretty strong foundation in how to communicate things in a way that excites people um, instead of sort of intimidates them. I think that's a fine line we walk a lot of the time. So um, I'm excited to, to get to kind of keep doing that in my current role. Well, and working with master gardeners is like right there. Exactly. <laughs> Outdoor adult education. Yes, exactly. I, it, I'm excited for both master gardener programs to have someone with your background and enthusiasm uh, working with them. Do you, do you feel... Um, optimistic about the future of the programs? Is there, I know that they're, you're able to take the classes online now. Um, I know there is still, there hopefully will again be in-person classes at some point. Um, do you see, do, what do you see as some of the challenges with, with Master Gardener programs? I know for myself, I went through the program, you know, back in 2003. Right. And, uh, you know, even back then, the volunteer hours were a little bit daunting for me. Um, I know the hour hours have increased of what you need to give back, which is absolutely worth it because it's a phenomenal program. And the volunteering was where I learned a lot about, you know, plants and pests and, you know, just having to do the research to be able to give advice. Um, but it does still seem to be a barrier for some people to join. Um, are there are there ways to engage with master gardeners to, to include more diversity in the number of people, the kinds of people that can access it? So it's not just people who are retired. Those questions are exactly the ones that I feel like I'm really grappling with right now with the Master Gardener program as well. Um, you know, Telemuk and Clatsop have uh, Master Gardeners who've been in the program for longer than I've been alive. They are incredibly knowledgeable. They are incredibly energetic. They are so dedicated to the mission of educating their community around gardening. Um, the last thing we want to do is to get in their way of doing any of those things. Absolutely. That being said, you're absolutely right that the, the structure of the program itself does have a lot of barriers to access. And I think um, there's quite a lot of energy across the state right now in um, sort of redefining how the program can look so that there is a little bit more accessibility. Um, as you mentioned, a lot of Master Gardeners are retired because those are the folks who tend to have the time to put in the volunteer hour requirement that is fundamental to the, to the program. Um, so as you mentioned, we are transitioning into to some sort of hybrid or all online education opportunities. This year, there are no new Master Gardeners coming in. We've sort of had to put a, a pause on that just for the year, but we hope to be picking up again um, in January of next year. Um, and that kind of gives us a minute, right, to take a step back and say, okay, who are we serving? Who are we reaching? And who are we maybe leaving out? And how can we address some of the systemic pieces that, that make that the case? Um, 
you know, I think there's a lot of a lot to be said for making some of the education opportunities available to people who may or may not be able to follow through with the volunteer commitment that's a component. Um, so maybe they wouldn't have the, the master gardener title per se, but there could still be um, a lot of opportunities to, to get the education component, which is what a lot of folks are really after anyway when they sign up to participate in the master gardener program. That was really what I was focused on when I signed up, and the and the volunteering in the community kind of came as a surprise to me how much mm -hmm. I actually enjoyed it and how much it meant to me. I mean, it was a quirky bunch of people, yes. but I loved them. Yes. It was so fun, <laughs> and I, it was it was a diversity of ages. I think I was the youngest person in That's my class, really true. Um, but it was really cool, and I learned a huge amount from the older gardeners that had so much experience growing in this area. So I totally value that, and the and the knowledge base that's there is unbelievable. I just am always thinking ahead, and I think about this with farming as well, and so this is another question I'd like to, to put to you. You know, I know throughout Oregon, this is a national issue, but in Oregon too, farmers are aging out. You know, I think, you know, average ages of farmers are, you know, in their 50s or 60s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how do we bring young people in and get them excited and interested and feel like these are viable either a career path as a farmer but like or like I want to be a garden I want you know one of the things I do in my life to garden mm -hmm. you know like engaging with younger people and making those connections what are some of the ways that you see are opportunities or possibilities I think that's a huge question we're facing as a nation right now. Uh, the next five or ten years are going to be really interesting to see sort of again what the agricultural legacy of our region and, and beyond actually look like as we kind of go through this transition as as the majority of farmers sort of age out. Um, to go back to what you found that was really valuable in the Master Gardener program for you, um, I think kind of pulling in more hands-on education opportunities and making those volunteer hours a fundamental part of the learning experience as well could be a way to, again, um, give folks who don't have 30 to 60 extra hours to volunteer an opportunity to really get all of the benefit and to, to sort of see people in action um, in the garden and, and really see how that could fit into their, their lifestyle. Um, for the farm side of things, I think that's a, a bigger and heavier question, certainly. Um, I think that interest at this moment is not the issue. I think there's a lot of people who are interested. I think there are some really fundamental barriers like land access, these really huge things that are very hard for you or me <laughs> to really unpack and dive into. Um, but that being said, I think by supporting the, the farm community and by um, developing these networks, sort of farmer to farmer networks, we can um, identify opportunities for entering farmers to maybe um, find sort of loopholes in land access to use maybe part of someone else's farm that's not being used or to figure out ways to um, you know, transition some of the larger dairies as, as dairymen are retiring. Sort of what does that agricultural space look like in the future? Is that going to continue to be a dairy? Does that look different? Kind of continuing to invest in those conversations um, and finding ways to make everyone feel included in sort of defining that agricultural legacy of the North Coast is, is going to be a really fascinating conversation to be part of. It does feel like a huge conversation to be having now because I know that there are a lot of farmers who are, you know, getting older, probably looking to retire and it's that classic situation where they may, their children may not want to take it on and run it. Almost impossible to sell that mm -hmm. for what anyone who might want to start that business could afford to pay. Right. But what that land is worth, um, you know, is, is huge, potentially huge, but not as a farm. Right. 
So, you know, it's something that's very close to my heart, that whole how do you maintain this, this wonderful rural agricultural heritage and culture that we have out here mm -hmm. and yet still make it something that's viable for the people who are trying to do the work. Exactly. It's huge. It's, <laughs> it's huge, huge, isn't it? I know. And I, I mean, I feel like, I, you know, I've been having this conversation for, you know, over a decade now with people and still I, I don't know that we're necessarily a whole lot closer to answers, but I think we have a much better understanding of the problem. <laughs> I think that's definitely true. I think it's also something that we sort of have to approach from both ends, right? We can really focus on more of the sort of grassroots and community building side of it. There also needs to be some policy change and there needs to be some sort of top down changes as well, because like you say, the value of land is not conducive to small farmers moving in and taking over that land. And, and so there's just a lot of different ways to kind of chip into this, to this colossal question. There really is. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, you have an excellent program behind you in this area with the um, OSU Small Farms mm -hmm. Program. The, it's, I guess it's the Center for Small Farms and Community Food Systems now. Um, there's a lot of resources there. And that program has grown over the last decade to, right. to really be something that's supporting this area. I mean, it, it, not just the North Coast, but just this, this topic in general in yes. Oregon, really identifying these kind of small-scale family farms as ones that they want to invest in and support. Exactly right, yeah. And I think having uh, more and more people really thinking about this issue and really talking about it and sharing out resources is at least a positive start. <laughs> it is. I mean, it feels like there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, it's here it is. It's spring. There's a lot of new beginnings. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, things are shifting and changing. A lot of positive signs on the on the pandemic front. And um, it feels like there's a lot of opportunities in the future um, for, for positive growth um, in both our counties to really see like both with gardening through Master Gardener support and farming through small farm support and, and these great organizations we have, Food Roots and North Coast Food Web, to really feel like there's a, a, an era that can be starting to really begin here for support and for those programs. I totally agree. And I think so much of that is because so many people in our community are so invested right now in local food and in supporting our local farmers. Um, you know, I hate to say that there are gifts of this horrible year we've gone through, but if there was one, that would be a takeaway for me is that we saw a huge surge in, in customers wanting to purchase from their neighbors and to support small farms and to support local. And um, so I think a big part of the puzzle is going to be figuring out how to harness that energy and, and maintain it as we transition into whatever comes next. It's a big challenge. It is indeed. <laughs> you seem up for it though, which is exciting. I hope so. <laughs> I did want to mention, um, as I know we spoke before the program, um, a lot of things aren't happening this year. And you mentioned you don't have no new Master Gardener class coming in. One of the things that I know both counties have always looked forward to are these huge plant sales that our Master Gardeners do um, annually. And I know that our class of county Master Gardeners um, are not doing the big sale that they've normally done, but they are doing a plant sale this year. They do have one planned, and I wanted to ask you about that. Yes. I know it's it's still a little tentative. It is a little tentative, but I can definitely share some details. Um, there's actually going to be a few different opportunities to buy plant starts from the Master Gardeners this year. Uh, the first one is going to be on May 22nd, and that is going to be at a new location, so we'll share more details out as we get a little closer to the date. Um, and is this Clatsop County? This is for Clatsop uh -huh. County. And for updates um, around the plant sale and really any other event coming up for the Master Gardeners, you can visit their website, which is clatsopmastergardeners.org. 
um, and you can find locations for plant sales, dates, all the details. Um, the plant sales that they hold are going to be online ordering and paying um, online, and then you'll just do sort of a drive-by pickup. So it should be a contactless pickup. Uh, so that's just sort of our best bet on keeping everybody safe, no matter what phase the county is in at the at the moment of the sale. That seems smart. <laughs> We're just doing our best to plan ahead, given what we have. Um, we will also, I believe, be having another plant sale on June 5th, and that will be at the fairgrounds where it's been held previously. Um, but again, do check out the website for the details as we get a little bit closer. Um, and then we are also hoping to do a few pop-up sales here and there as starts become available. Again, we'll just share out details as we get a bit closer to them. Um, but one I believe you can watch out for will be uh, Mother's Day uh, weekend. Um, that'll be with 7Ds and Brim Nursery. So again, watch for announcements through the, the website. But we'll have both um, plants for sale, but also an opportunity to actually get to chat with master gardeners and ask them your gardening questions. And It's been a long time. Exactly. We all need to get a jump on spring this year. And so that'll be a chance to get that Well, And there's been such an explosion in gardening. I mean, that again, yeah. like a, 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 a positive that came out of this terrible year was just the unbelievable exponential growth of interest in gardening, which I hope sustains for a lot of people because too. it's just wildly exciting. I totally agree. <laughs> um, the enthusiasm is amazing, but with so many new gardeners, you know that there's a lot of questions. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of like, what happened? Exactly. <laughs> and a lot of those questions, you know, are shared. I think it's nice to ask that of an expert because then they can let you know that everybody else is asking the same question too, which I think we can it's all not find just really you. validating. <laughs> exactly. I still have that sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> and just to be able to talk to another farmer and be like, oh, you, that happens to you too. Oh, okay. Don't it's you feel better? I know. Oh, I feel so much better. I mean, even if it's a terrible terrible thing. It's some pest that I'm having a problem with. I still feel like, okay, I'm not alone. Exactly. It's not, just, it's not personal. Yes. <laughs> so people can, um, they can send their questions into me. Um, if they go to the Clatsop extension website, um, they can use the uh, ask extension button, which is on the website there and send any questions in that way. Um, we are also going to have um, a booth at the Sunday market this summer so folks can find the master gardeners there and ask their questions in person. We're coming up with as many ways as possible to safely access the information that all the master gardeners have in their heads. So nice. stay tuned. And for Tillamook master gardeners, you know, similar reach out to their website to find um, activities or outreach or anything that exactly. they're going to be doing too. We'll have really parallel programming there. There's also going to be an online plant sale at the fairgrounds. So we'll have more information uh, coming out pretty soon. Um, but you can always visit the, the Tillamook Master Gardener website or the Tillamook County Extension site. Kind of all roads will lead you to the same place. It's in some ways, I, I don't know whether it's been more challenging or not with starting your role during such a crazy year. <laughs> I mean, you are serving two counties. It's a lot of geography that you're covering and a lot of driving. And so you've probably been able to do a lot of stuff online. Mm -hmm. um, but pretty soon you're going to be back to putting some serious miles on your car. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But, you know, how are you feeling about it? I mean, do you feel optimistic? I do feel optimistic. I, I, feel, um, I feel really excited to be taking this role. Um, it brings me to, to beautiful farms all across the North Coast, and I get to chat with farmers and hear from our master gardeners and just work with all the people I want to be talking to all the time anyway. So it really feels like a nice match for me. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to... Um, maintain some of the efficiency of working from home, which just frees me up to have more days in the field and kind of being where I need to be. Because as you say, I both have a kind of a wide spectrum of programming and then also a wide spectrum geographically. Um, so I'm going to be pulled a lot of directions and um, I just want to make sure that I can offer some energy to each part of that. So we'll see how it looks. 
as we go forward. Well, I'm excited about it. I, I just meeting you today and talking with you about your programs and your thoughts and hopes for the future make me feel more hopeful for our region. So I'm super glad oh, that you're you. here. And um, uh, for those of you who've been listening um, but but weren't sure who I was talking to, <laughs> I've been speaking with Julia Wenzel. She is the new program coordinator for um, Tillamook and Clatsop counties for Master Gardeners and a new small farms program position as well. So it's an exciting new times for our region. And um, I, if so, again, if people want to connect with you, reaching out through either county's extension office is the best way to reach you with That's their right. questions. Mm -hmm. and, and don't hesitate. Any question, no question is too, too small or too stupid. That's correct. <laughs> I've seen it all and I haven't been here that long. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I think extension is such a great resource and um, I don't think people turn to it enough. I totally agree. Um, and I have to say, it's one of my favorite parts of the job is getting to kind of solve do solve puzzles for people, you know, do some little research problems for um, projects for folks as they send questions my way. So I love the challenge. So don't hesitate to, to reach out with whatever comes up for you. All right, people out there, you've you've <laughs> you've heard from from the person I'll be herself back in six months saying never mind, but <laughs> send her your questions. Right. <laughs> Julia, thank you so much for making the time to talk today. Thank you it's so much. It's been wonderful. And again, welcome. Thank welcome you. to this region. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks so much.